Welcome to Keeping Track, a Trackmania community podcast where I interview your favourite players and ask them the same set of five questions. The guest this week is a fellow Thomas, G-Geek. We discussed mostly motorsport, but also some Trackmania and uh, the things he would like to see changed in the community moving forward. Question one, uh, when did you get into Trackmania and what was it that got you hooked? Well... My very, very first interaction with the game was back in 06. Uh, I remember I heard like a weird like sort of car noise coming from my dad's uh, little uh, closet that's acted as his, um, as his uh, desk. And I was like, huh, he's playing another racing game. I'm wondering what he's actually playing at. And that was basically my first encounter with the game. Uh, it was uh, Trackman the Nations ESWC, I think, at the time. And uh, I ended up playing a couple of the campaign maps with uh, on my dad's computer along with him and sometimes alone. And that was my first uh, first kind of interaction with the game. But the really when I really got into the meat and potatoes was probably back in 2013, something like that, with the release of... Uh, TM2 Stadium. I actually bought the early access on Steam, funnily enough, for that particular game. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was basically sticking to like time attack servers, primarily tried to do an ESL competition, got royally stumped at that time. Um, and uh, yeah, that was my first proper taste of uh, what Trackmania is all about. And uh, yeah, I've had a few on and off periods and uh, my current stint, uh, as I like to call it, has been going since uh, 2018, 2019 with uh, Canyon and then gradually back to the stadium environment in 2020. That is uh, that is really fascinating because that's now the third guest who has been introduced to uh, Trapmania via their dad, uh, and I think Trapmania is in this you know really interesting spot, almost like Counter Strike, where you have parents who played it and now have kids and can introduce them to the game, like it's had that longevity. Whereas you know you probably don't hear these stories in 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 other esports. Um, I just want to come back to Trapmania Two Stadium because. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, chronological viewers of the show or, or listeners will have um, heard last week I was uh, interviewing Zetterate from Mini RPG of the Week and he convinced me to download TM2 Stadium mm-hmm. and play a 45 minute RPG map which turned out to me to be four, four hours and 30 minutes uh, but I was playing that game and I was really surprised because I played other Trapmania games I was surprised how good it feels Oh, you mean compared in terms to, of uh, to, in terms of uh, the feeling in the gamepad, like uh, the actual gameplay yeah, feel? Yeah, just the 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 connectivity. Like when I play TMNF, it feels quite clunky to me. Like coming from TM twenty twenty, but playing Trackmania two, I was like, this is fairly similar, and almost there's parts of it that I that I definitely enjoy. Um, is there anything about that, that difference between TM two and and the most recent TM twenty twenty? For For me, well, the main difference for me, uh, the main difference, of course, is going to be look and feel at this uh, particular Mm -hmm. stage because, yeah, TM2 Stadium especially has had some pretty significant revamps back. I think it was the MP4 update, Planet 4 update, and uh, they had a really significant upgrade to the way that the Rannsteins worked, essentially the curves on the side of the road, which were always kind of... uh, Kind of a um, point of avoidance whenever you try to uh, to pl- uh, put a, a significant run, but they really, really um, smoothed it out and uh, made it so that uh, run bugs did not really happen that much. And uh, this is where I started to get a little bit more enjoyment to try and push the limits. And uh, eventually, that transition to the philosophy that we see in the in the current game, where it's completely smooth road, and uh, that is uh, something that I really, really enjoy as well. Yeah. So, um, what was it then? Uh, in your Trapmania history that was the bit where you were like, okay, that's this is where I'm going to 
focus my time and energy uh was there a, a particular moment or just a a map maybe uh for me well if i if we're talking specifically about what i do now uh the turning point was back in 2019 it was fun uh, it was it's a bit of a uh, a cool story for me because i was uh coming back from uh from a motor race that i was attending in paris at that time it was the paris e3 and i stumbled upon a vod of um of a uh competition in trackmania canyon so another environmental trackmania and I was like, hmm, there's some similarities with races and with the race I just attended. I'm like, why not try to give it a shot of commentary? And this is basically how I decided, yeah, this is what I want to do. And uh, yeah, I got, uh, got my feet wet casting a few fun cups back then uh, before doing the uh, endurance comp that happened during that same year. And uh, yeah, this is pretty much how, uh, how it all started. That is, uh, that is really interesting. I always enjoy the ease of crossover between motorsports and electronic motorsports yeah. should we say and, and how easy it is to go between those two more so than i think any other genre of of real sport yeah there's to, there's, uh, a pl to, there's plenty of elements of transfer that are uh that there's plenty of skills that are somewhat transferable well more so in the sim racing scene and maybe something like track mania but there's still for instance like play by play and stuff like that i got mainly my inspiration from motorsports commentary before getting into uh getting into track mania which is really my first foray into proper commentary and esports commentary in particular so that is uh, that's good to hear so um question two uh as a player what input device do you use and uh, and why have you chosen that well for me it's gamepad i've always uh the simple reason being that uh having played i think i've played racing games since i was like four years old and uh, yeah that was back with uh, in uh, the playstation days with gran turismo 2 and it was back with the uh, og digital uh ps1 controller the one that didn't have the analog sticks uh when I was playing Trackmania for the first time, I didn't have a controller to plug in, so I had to make do with keyboard. That was the very, very beginning. But as soon as I could plug in a PS1 controller, I never looked back and only played pad. And these days, I'm using a um, Xbox One controller uh, because I uh, played the uh, played the, for a fairly long time on the Xbox 360 controller, and that basically just converted me to the asymmetric sticks gang because... It feels much more ergonomic. I cannot go back to like a PS uh, PlayStation style controller now with the two sticks at the bottom. I can't. <laughs> That's uh, quite the opposite to a similar conversation we had. Uh, I think it was. I can't. I think it was Turbo now who was the opposite, who really liked the the symmetry of the PlayStation controller, uh, like myself. So I was. Uh, I was going to ask. I was assuming now that you migrated to a more modern gamepad that you did go to the analog sticks and didn't just stick on the D-pad. Yeah. That, I think, would be the worst of both worlds, a controller and sticking with the D-pad. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. D-pad was kind of like the sort of the beginning because I was familiar with the shape of the controller back then. But yeah, analog sticks is definitely like the... It's it's my, it's my preferred way of playing Trackmania and racing games in general because I do play a lot of varied uh, racing games. I tend to play uh, like some some of the newer stuff, and uh, I have uh, have some retro, some retro spouts, so on and so forth. Uh, be it on kind of PC and consoles, and uh, most of the time I just steer using the analog stick. So this is basically just uh, keeping the keeping the habit going and uh, just getting a feel with it with the with the thumb. Uh, I I just got a natural um, natural feeling for it. I guess then, as a as a motorsport fan uh, in both video games and and real life, if you, if you had to change, so if I took the controller away from you mm -hmm. and you had to go to a completely different type of device, do you think you'd, you'd spur for a wheel or uh, uh, you'd maybe look at something? Honestly, else? I think I would. Yeah, I, I definitely think I would, and I would I would like to try and uh, try and emulate Granati in a sense. Try to just pick like a regular like gear driven uh, gear driven. Um, 
we are like the G29 set the set the dead zone well set the um, steering lock for to 180 from lock to lock and uh, yeah just try to just try, try to emulate him that way maybe for the throttle I would use the uh, I would use a thumb although that would be a little bit difficult to work out because you're still moving the wheel in, in all of these senses but yeah I feel like I would try to make it work with the wheel I definitely would I, I'm kind of up for a challenge like that. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because obviously with Ascension, Granadi had to go through grand finals and play whatever it was like two maps with a keyboard because it just wasn't suitable yeah. for wheel uh, for that <laughs> the grand finals, which I thought was um, pretty unfortunate. But I imagine looked very funny from the sidelines, just seeing this wheel set up and then a guy with a keyboard. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, pros and cons to them all for sure. Um, Question three, then. Uh, what is your favorite Trackmania map uh, that you've ever played? Uh, well, from, from, that I've ever played. That already narrows down the question quite significantly. because. Oh, as, as a commentator, it could be one that you've casted as well. Uh, as a commentator, uh, I feel like, well, th this is a bit of a meme for me. But uh, for me, it's Halfpipe from Fall 2020. Because you can do so many T-Hawk references with that bad boy. Uh, with that identity from Keyslide. <laughs> this is one of my favorite ones that, I, uh, that were casted in the early part. Uh, in terms of the ones that I played, uh, I'm gonna have to go with the Trackmania 2 map. It was uh, ESL Opus. It's a tech map. It's a tech comp map from I think CPS. Uh, yeah, CPS before ESL went before ESL decided to drop uh, Trackmania. So I think it was before 2016, something like that. I can't really exactly remember the proper date, but yeah, it was basically a map that I played a long, long time that uh, I gradually learned to appreciate. And even though I hated it at first because it was a uh, um, trial map for uh, entering into the tech lineup in one of my former clans. So, yeah, it, it, it's kind of like you know, it's it was basically getting to know the map uh, kind of got me to appreciate the the map and the style more and more, which is uh, why I tend to really like comment casting some tech competitions from time to time, such as CPS or like TMN. Yeah, I'm just looking now at the uh, the listing for Mania Exchange uh, for this map and seeing a very familiar face in Carl Junior as the world record holder, apparently. Um, yeah, those uh, those ESL maps are are definitely part of that sort of Trackmania legacy. It almost feels like a forgotten world, really, because you know ESL obviously such a huge name in in esports. Yeah, it, it feels like it feels like the it feels like heading into like a cave, you know, uh, heading into like the French caves, you know, uh, Lasco the Lasco cave and stuff like that, and seeing the old paintings. It kind of feels like that when you rediscover old comp maps. I feel like my God, the world has changed so much, and the the world of competitive Trackmania mapping has changed so much over the course of the last few years. Yeah, we uh we're definitely at a at a point a contentious point with with current trap media mapping. We have a, a a fair few guests that aren't a big fan of of where it is, but I think um from a viewer's perspective, you know, as somebody who's involved in production, I think the maps we have now it can can really create some incredible games and and build some narratives, I'm, particularly throughout a series. Just to just to make a quick point about that, uh, I really do like the the sort of eclectic variety that we've had in the World Championship map pack specifically because you've got it all. You've got like maps like Twisted, which is basically like the Trackmania equivalent of a uh, Corsica special stage from Rallying because it's super twisted yeah. and stuff like that. Edge, which is a really, really fun map to spectate because it kind of reminds me of the, well, of another competition, mini RPG of the week in a sense because it has really that vibe and uh, yeah, all, all the other maps really do uh, shine in their own way. And uh, yeah, I feel like the variety is really excellent. And that's what uh, makes the World Championship uh, maps kind of a treat to watch, really, uh, be it from a, spect a spectator point of view or even from a commentator point of view, in a sense. Yeah, there's nothing like a, a good map. There's nothing worse than being on a really bad map that you despise. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I did a lot of TMCL production. And every time we went to Aeropipes, it was like just 
death on the face of the cast is like oh we've got to cast this Uh again it's absolute chaos (laughs) from producer it was fine no one could hear me laughing in the background so it was all good um (laughs) question uh four if you were to take part in a trackmania pro-am event uh which celebrity would you want on your team and i must warn you as a motorsport fan uh we've decided that once someone picks one they're gone from the table. So uh, in the F1 world, you, you you are without Lando Norris or Pierre Gasly as they're both being picked. Okay, so, I mean, of course, they've picked someone from the current uh, driver pool. Uh, yeah. Can we pick someone that's retired or someone that... You can pick anyone on the face of the planet that won't get us both cancelled. <laughs> okay. Um, well, ah, this is a tough one because I got a lot of motorsport... Um, a lot of motorsport uh, heroes that I do want to meet, uh, and with the context in the context of a promo event, would be really the uh, the prime example to be able to meet those heroes. Um, for me, I would have to go with uh, with one of my fellow countrymen. I would have to go with uh, Sebastian Loeb, nine time uh, World Rally champion. Uh, he's not really familiar with uh, not that familiar with video games. I mean, he's had a video game name after him, after all. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like having a having the um, Having someone like Loeb, who's got so much experience in the in the way that he does and the way he approaches like events, be it like um, actual rally stages, rally raid, he's done it all. Rally cross, rally raid, rallying. He's done the race of champions. The guy went to Le Mans. He even drove a Formula One car back in the mid two thousands. There was a very real possibility, actually. There was a rumor that there was uh, that Red Bull wanted to have him in the seat. Unfortunately, that didn't materialize. But yeah, the guy, the guy's versatility and also experience would really kind of lift me up on uh, on the um, competitive side. But it will also basically be a shadow dream come true to meet him. Really, <laughs> yeah, very much talking in between the rounds. Um, I was actually also going to mention the the Loeb F one thing. I believe he was going to go in the Toro Rosso, but didn't uh, technically could... have a super license. And yeah, then everyone was kind true. of like, everyone's like. This is arguably the best driver of all time. I think if he's used to driving in between trees at about 130 I mean, j- miles an just, hour, maybe he can be on a grid. Just to quickly digress, the guy arrived from the, the guy, yes, last year did the Monte Carlo, arrived, from, arrived in Monte Carlo just a couple days after having done the Dakar rally, right? Discovered an entirely new car, new co-driver uh, with uh, Isabel Galmich, and the guy freaking won the entirety of the <laughs> rally. And it's true to his word, at 47 or 48 years old, something like that, the guy did a backflip at the finish line. What a what a legend! What a legend! I'm I'm assuming just for the view, uh, listeners at home, that was in in his person, not with the car. That would be terrifying. No, no, backflip. No, no, that, that was him. That was that was the man himself doing a backflip because he was a former gymnast. So he tended to he tended to do that as like a celebration thing. He did it when he did uh, got his first world title back in 04, and he did it when he won the Monte Carlo, and that was his 80th WRC win. That is uh, that is crazy. Uh, I feel like at the moment we're just exchanging sort of motorsport. Yeah, stories, that's that's I'm true. I can't, I'm up this. I mean, I, I, it sort of blends together with 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 this and track media because I try. This is kind of like also a tie in. Uh, continuing the digression, it's also kind of a tie to the style of commentary that I have because if I can use things from, for instance, from the real world of motorsport that some people do understand then I can better get the point across and I can better convey the sort of thing that is currently at play on the field here. Because if you just use the terms uh, lingo from the game, that will appeal to the hardcore guys that might already know, oh yeah, he uh, talks about this technique, he talks about gorilla grip, blah, 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 quantum slide. I don't really use that kind of word, to be fair. I prefer to stick it to real world words that people do uh, do somewhat have a connection to. And they're like, okay, that guy speaks to me and now I'm feeling invested in this game. Yeah, I think one of the things that, I think Trackmania, as in general, is is a really uh, easy to get into esports to watch. 
but I think one of the things that can hold it back is commentary and use of things. You know, they'd be like, oh, Neo slide, or oh, they hit a no slide, or they hit a, this or that. And I think that can be quite uh, difficult yeah. for new viewers, even people who have played the game, right? Because those are quite advanced techniques. Um, but I think, like you've mentioned, drawing on uh, those those real world terms, not even just real world motorsport, just general, you know, people's understanding of cars. Mm. Uh, one thing I introduced when we were doing uh, mini RPG of the week was um, I'm a huge NASCAR fan. And when they do the playoffs, they have the bubble where basically it's if you're you might get eliminated this round if you don't do a little bit better. Oh, OK. And I find that to be a really useful analogy for, I mean, for KO, uh, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for a, for a for a cup of the day style event where people are like on that on that edge and they might get knocked out, um, so that was really fun. Uh, but my my other digression, so we'll, we'll trade uh, probably one more and then and then we'll move yeah, on. Um, when it comes to particularly Formula One drivers and and video games, there's this incredible story about Kubica uh, way back um, winning the Polish championship in Colling McRae Rally. Uh, really. And it was in 2005, and he got accused of cheating because he was so good. And oh, <laughs> I think so. If, if anyone wants, if anyone wants an F1 driver with uh, with pedigree for the Track Mania Pro Am, uh, I think he was Kubitz. Uh, uh, a good shout. A good or, call. Kubitz has a really, really good call. Or just to quickly throw one final suggestion, Valtteri Bottas, who used to play Live for Speed, which is another uh, another simulator back in the early 2000s, was pretty good at it. And yeah, he was basically one of the top players in that particular sim before he got picked up by Williams to become a reserve driver for them like see how the world is sometimes small like when when you compare the two spheres i'm like oh yeah they they are they can be gamers sometimes yeah and uh for those uh who who may or may not be formula one team adjacent i'm trying to find any guest in the formula one industry that also plays track mania that isn't lando norris because i know i'm not going to get yeah uh, so, uh... <laughs> i think i think they're going to be very very few so far but who knows maybe in the future Maybe in the future. Um, so uh, moving on uh, then to our final planned question, uh, question number five. Mm -hmm. What is your Trackmania hot take? Uh, well, this is the kind of disappointing thing for some of your listeners because I don't tend to do these. The thing, the thing about being a public figure, right, is that you got to somewhat watch your mouth. I remember I made the mistake of not paying attention to what I used to say back a few years ago, and it kind of came to bite me back in the ass. I'm not going to talk about the specific events, but I kind of learned the lesson the hard way. That's all I say. Um, but if I may have a bit of a point to make, it's not exactly like a like a hot take, cold take, or lukewarm take. Just a point to make. The point is that there are certain people, and I'm gonna take a dig at my home country. Certain people in certain communities should know a lot better about welcoming uh, underrepresented uh, communities and player profiles. The reason why I talk about that is mainly when we talk about emerging regions, such as the Asia Pacific region, which I'm taking as an example because it's been the most publicized in a sense and also because i'm one of their defenders as well um a couple of years ago the apac scene was basically just in its very very infancy there weren't wasn't exactly any uh players that were looking to get competitively involved in track mania and they wanted to build something from the ground up and they wanted to start and stuff like that and back towards the end of i think it was 2021 when they wanted to get a little bit of recognition and raise a few issues that would prevent uh, organizing competitions well not prevent but make organizing competitions more difficult such as nationality checks through campaign with the problem of fake flagging that was arisen 
Well, what happened was these people ended up getting curb stomped to hell and back and basically heckled for just existing. We uh, There was even one player, I'm not, I'm not going to be uh, telling names there, but that said, it's not, not worth it because there isn't really any players in the scene anyway. And now, nowadays, you see, play, uh, see scenes like APAC that are really, really thriving, you know, even though they're still like a tightly knit group of uh, like a small, tightly knit group of people, they are really supporting each other and they're really lifting up the aspect of the scene locally. But I know deep down that that scar, that that encounter has left an indelible mark that will that will not go away until like maybe a few more years down the line, because they will never forget that uh, the way that you've actually uh, treated them be it on the um, welcoming of the uh on in the community side or maybe for watching competitions uh for like apac players or like underrepresented players versus the majority which is like europe and blah 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 which also brings me to the point that sometimes uh there are some certain people uh interacting with the way that they support players i know i know this may not really make sense the way i construct phrases but again english not really my first language but um the way that I'm saying is there are certain people that think that they are supporting their player by wishing other play, uh, other people to fail. And this is something yeah. that is just not good. And that can speak from experience because yeah, I've uh, I as a uh, basically I done multiple hats at the same time whenever I commentate competitions. I not only do play by play but also do production and broadcasting and also he's had the Twitch chat open so I can actually answer the questions blah blah blah. And more often than not, especially in the French speaking world, you do see a couple people that do tend to be a little bit uh hooligan in their behavior wishing for uh wishing for other people to fail and sometimes saying some pretty despicable stuff uh in regards to the opponent and that is just that that's the behavior that i don't like uh just to give a bit of a tidbit i grew up uh i uh grew up uh playing rugby for a few years as part of a club and one of the things that i uh that i keep with me from rugby is really the value and the spirit and the spirit of fair play and the respect for everybody involved, no matter the profile, no matter the skill level. And really, this is something that uh, should be a little bit of etiquette, be it from people from inside the community or people who are watching this from the first time or watching as a fear, uh, as a fervent supporter of one player, because there are some times where those values tend to get lost and uh, shit just gets and shit tends to hit the fan pretty quickly, which is which is something I just don't want to see, you know, especially when it comes to like big, big competitions with uh, thousands of eyes, millions of eyes watching. This is something that we should really, really be working on, like respect across the entirety of the field, no matter the skill level, no matter the nationality, no matter the profile. Racing is for everyone, and we better make it that way. That is, uh, yeah, no, that's really powerful and fully agree. Uh, I think one of the, biggest uh tragedies of the fact that you know this stage of world tour into the world championship was was not as broadcast from the main mainline uh trackmania channel was not so much that we lost the eu wildcard games because those all got picked up by other streamers mm -hmm. was that those emerging regions suddenly didn't get that time that they had before and while there may only been eight teams or 12 teams from from apac competing um having their time on the trackmania channel I think elevated that and, and was ashamed to lose that this time there, around. Rome wasn't built in Rome wasn't built in a day. You know they they always say that. And uh, really, uh, I remember Rezi uh, posted like uh, a thread. Uh, I think it was earlier in the month of October where he recounted his experience of basically building the community over the course of the last few years. And that is basically the perfect embodiment of the phrase uh, "build it and they will come" because 
if there is nothing in the first place, if uh, the demand isn't created in the first place, then there's really any scene that's going to be uh, growing out of it. So the best the best advice I guess I can give for people that want to get stuck in for like tournament organizers for like under uh, represented communities and uh, uh, regions and stuff like that, go ahead and do it. Go make your go go make yourself no uh, go make yourself a competition and let the word be known. Spread the word around. The more the merrier. For sure, hundred percent. And I want to come back as well to you mentioned rugby and, and the respect you get from. I think a lot of traditional sports. I mean, rugby is definitely up there, but even you know, cricket, other sort of um, those sports that are very founded in in respect uh, for your opponents. If you look at the World Cup, you know, in in ten, fifteen years ago, you you look at the World Cup, and there was lots of questions about whether or not Japan or Argentina should have been there because they would turn up and they would lose to France and England and South Africa. Um, but you've seen what that exposure to international sport has given those regions, yep. and that Argentina and Japan are now fierce com- competitors. They they win games off the big teams. They take games uh, the full eighty minutes, um, yeah. and that would not have been possible without that exposure and without that and- opportunity. And just as a quick digression to the, to this year's World Cup, the same can be said somewhat for Portugal because yeah, they didn't really have the yeah. the greatest of times for their first World Cup, but they did end up getting a win against the Fiji. So this is already nothing nothing to scoff at when uh, when you look at the results. Like taking a game from uh, from a pretty like known nation in international rugby is a pretty big stepping stone into uh, improving the level of uh, of your team and uh, garnering interest in your own country for that particular sport. So yeah, as we said, there is no effort that is too small when it comes to developing a competitive seed in any kind of discipline, even in Trackmania. So go ahead and do it. Yeah, 100%. We, we, you know, we just have to look at the growth of BITM as well. Um, you know, the, the, the British scene is sort of uh, been a bit bare recently, um, or, you know, over the last sort of 10 years, maybe. Mm-hmm. But we look at the World Championship, and all of a sudden, we've got two new faces in there. It's not just Pac going on his own. Uh, <laughs> we've got Wizzy and uh, Epos going with him. And you know, that's a community that has everything going for it and has still struggled to find its feet. So we've got to really reach out and, and help those emerging regions exactly. um, find find their stride, you know, let them get to where they need to be and uh, ultimately, you know, compete on that global stage. Um, yep. So thank you for that. I think that was a, a nice take on the hot take, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't, you know, you're not going to make any enemies, which is good, um, but definitely something powerful uh, that, that had to be discussed. Um, the final question, and this is one that is uh, unique to each guest. And for you, I think this is uh, very clearly going to end up in the motorsport realm. Um, if you could commentate a singular motorsport event, so a single motorsport event, what would you choose? A singular motorsport event. This already makes it somewhat hard because there are a lot of great. There, there's a lot of great events that you want to tick off. Like you got, you got the top of the list. You got the Triple Crown. You got Monaco Grand Prix, Le Mans. And you also got the Indianapolis 500 uh, in there to kind of make sort of the, the holy trinity, the triple crown, as we call it. Um, but in terms of like singular events, uh, yeah, it would ha- it, it would either have to be one of those three or something that would have some pretty significant, huge significance to me. And actually, there's a bit of crossover between these two. For me, it would have to be Le Mans. For me, it would definitely have to be the 24 Hours of Le Mans. I've already been there once back when I was nine years old. So that was the uh, the very first time we saw a diesel uh, prototype being entered. That was the time of the Audi R10s. 
and I still yep, have tractors. Yeah, the, the track, the beginning of the tractor era, exactly. And uh, I still have that this vivid memory. I was posted right in front of the start line. You know, we were uh, off a of T one oh, wow. just uh, just before the uh, down We had and so spoke Zarathustra blaring on the speakers. I saw the pace car diverting over to my left hand side, and then I see the first two rows, which were like Pescarolo and Audi, and then all the other rows that came in. I saw the tricolor drop and then just this waft of noise coming in from all the prototypes, the GTs and so on with as the cars came into view. This is something that just is always anchored to me and it would be a dream to commentate a uh, probably one of the, uh, if not the greatest uh, endurance race in the world because there's a there's a vibe around Le Mans. There, there, there's something you just don't get anywhere else. Sure, F1 has a vibe that is somewhat desirable for people, even for me. Indy has a very, ima- uh, very um, electrifying atmosphere, but Le Mans, there's something unique about basically racing, uh, racing twice around the clock and also the atmosphere at night is just... Is, is something out of this world. And this is something I would really, really love to take off a commentary, uh, commentary box list for sure. I'd love to know then, uh, going back to your experience at Le Mans, um, I was desperately trying to get tickets for this year's edition because mm-hmm. uh, I was like, ooh, Centennial Le Mans, that would be fun to go to. And me and apparently everyone else decided that would be a good idea and we weren't able to get tickets. <laughs> but um, I've, been to, I've been to F1 events, I've been to MotoGP events. The cars all, for the most part, have the same engine they have to make the same noise at Le Mans particularly at that start was there a distinct sound difference as those sort of the classes of each car came through or was it just one pure you know melody of chaos uh, it was definitely a melody of chaos for for well for the for the prototypes well the diesels were a lot quieter given the given their nature but you could definitely hear the um the pescarolos because they were still running the jug v10s that they had in the, in the previous year so you could just hear the, the this entire noise you had the domes that were running v10s as well you had a few va prototypes and then when the gts came in the dominant sound was rumbly v8 because you, you had the you had the corvettes which were running the c6rs i think and then you also had the spikers which were running audi v8s but those audi v8s were decidedly american sounding they had like a cross-plane crankshaft kind of thing so yeah it, it was a really really loud things but uh just just this entire wall of engine sound that just takes you by it takes you by the by the guts and just makes you feel some type of way i just can't describe it <laughs> i know uh particularly in this year's edition of le mans with the um the nascar garage 56 entry because they had a proper you know I, nascar style I, v8 I apparently loved, everyone loved that. i loved watching the i couldn't be there but i love watching the onboards of it just it's oh pure americana power and, and to be fair that and the cadillac that entered this year they were not that far yeah. off i mean they were basically running well, not not quite the same engine, but yeah, you know, the same concept like VA crossplane clutch, big B8 motor. But uh, yeah, it it, it definitely uh, it's it's nice to see the golden age of endurance being back again with those kind of different types of architectures and so many manufacturers being involved as well. It's nuts. The uh, the benefit of picking Le Mans as well is that any well Le Mans in particular, but any endurance race, the commentary feels like 
uh, when you're stalling for time in an esports show. It's it's one because you're sort of always it's, just it's waiting big, for something to happen. It's one it's one big it's one big podcast in a sense. Uh, if you if you were to compare it to like another form uh, form of media, but uh, yeah, there's I feel like this is also something where you get to really shine when you get a lot of experience. Uh, and for this, mm -hmm. I will draw to uh, probably one of my favorite uh, endurance commentators, Martin Haven. He's had a lot of uh, a lot of time in the, in the commentary booths uh, in motorsport in various motorsport events and whatnot. He's the official commentator for World Endurance Champion. And it's always nice to have like people rallying with you that you can share anecdotes with. And uh, this is basically a great way for padding whilst uh, the action on track, for instance, dies down or like, there's a uh, before like the next pit stop, uh, pit stop wave or whenever there's like a move that's going to be happening on track. This is a, a very different feeling to the sort of the sort of blitz rounds that we have in Trackmania or like the uh, almost entirely the, the relentless pace of commentating that you get, for instance, from uh, either F1 or for a rallycross, uh, from a rallycross race for some, uh, for some example. Yeah. So it would be very nice to experience that. Yeah, I know uh, this year in particular when we had the prolonged, well, safety car periods during Le Mans, uh, I think we were about an hour into one of them before I realized that nothing was happening. So I was so sort of engaged with the conversation that was happening. Um, and I was like, wait, they're just going around in circles at 20 mile an hour, it feels like. But uh, the commentary really, uh, really keeps you there. And it's a testament to, to what good commentary can do, uh, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, thanks a lot for thanks a lot for coming on uh, this episode. Um, before we wrap anything up, have you got anything uh, coming up in either Trapmania or in in the world around it that um, you want people to know about? Well, the one thing I think I'm uh, I can somewhat disclose. Uh, well, I, I can disclose will be uh, uh, the full speed major series finals. I'm a very big uh, advocate for full speed competition that will be starting on. Uh, uh, on uh, Sunday, November 5th. So yeah, with the seating and they will be going all the way through to December. And there is some some other stuff, one going into Trackmania and one into Motorsport World that I'm not allowed to disclose just yet. So you just have to stay tuned on my socials. That is that is what we call the great hook to your social channels. Definitely, <laughs> definitely go over there and hit that follow. Uh, very exciting to see uh, what that is. Uh, and, and looking forward to, uh, to hearing you on more broadcasts to come. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for listening to Keeping Track. To listen to other episodes of the show, you can visit our Substack at www.nodal.media or you can search for the show on your preferred podcast apps. You can follow the show on Twitter at Nodal Media and even follow me at A. Thomas Davis. See you all next time. <laughs>